Avenue Channel. The New Channel. Hashtag TNC Now. The views, opinions, and insights expressed in the following shows are those of the host, producers, guests, and viewers. They do not necessarily reflect the position of the channel. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the new channel. Our passion transforms a community that sees all things new. I'm Alpha Sanford and I'm streaming live from Boston, Massachusetts. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Mabuhay to all of you. Welcome to Once a Teacher, Always a Teacher, Season 2, Episode 3. Once a teacher, always a teacher. I'm your host, Alpha Sanford. All right, folks, I'm glad that you are joining today's episode because today's episode um, it is, I'm hopeful that it's going to be very inspiring to all of you. The reason why I say that is because a few years back, this is around 2013, 2014, um, a particular TED Talks by our guest today has really inspired me to the extent that in some of the uh, um, equity classes that I delivered, I actually shared uh, this TEDx talk to everyone in my class. And then since then, I followed our special guest because of the amazing work that she has done in the public ed sector in the Philippines. So tonight, if you are a public school teacher in the Philippines, or if you're a public school teacher here in the US, please take down notes. I'm sure you will be inspired, or I hope 
that you will be inspired by the end of this show. Before I will bring her in, let me just greet the Philippines. Happy Independence Day, right? It's July. I'm sorry. It's June 11th here in the U.S., but in the Philippines, it's uh, it's June. Wait a minute. I think it's June 12th in the Philippines. <laughs> anyway, um, June 12th is the Philippines Independence Day. So let me just greet all of our Kababayans. Happy Independence Day. All right. So let me introduce to you our guest today. Our guest today has been in the public school uh, for 13 years. She's been teaching at the Kuliat Elementary School um, for 13 years. Recently, she was named as one of MetroBank Foundation's 10 most outstanding Filipino of the year. 2021, and also uh, she was named as the 2022 The Outstanding Young Men Awardee in the Philippines. Our guest today, Ms. Lou Sabrina Onkiko, is also named as one of the outstanding women in the Philippines service for her dedication in educating children, empowering teachers, and also contributing reforms in the Philippines education system. So without further ado, let me bring in Teacher Sab. Come on in, Teacher Sab. Hi, Ms. Alpha. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me here. Yes. And hello, good morning, good evening, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Okay, so um, why don't we start with uh, your story? Because I mentioned earlier to our viewers that way back in 2013, you had this amazing, at least in my opinion, one of the most amazing and inspiring TEDx talk um, for teachers or would-be educators. So, yeah, um, tell us about your story. I heard, or, or at least most people have heard your story. We heard that you gave up your path for med school and ended up being a public school teacher. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's, that's it's actually, that's, that's right. Um, I was supposed to pass my medical school application when I decided to um, change career paths and become a teacher. Um, so I finished uh, my major in biology at the Ateneo de Manila University back in 2005. Um, I did a year of service after that. So I was a Jesuit volunteer uh, for a year and was assigned to Iloilo and worked for, uh, during that year, I worked for an NGO called, also a non-government organization called Pathways to Higher Education. Um, and that's actually very instrumental in my discernment, you know, to choose um, to go into teaching instead. So when I came back from that year of um, volunteer work, um, I literally got a call. So when you say like I was called to teach, I re literally got a call <laughs> from my mentor inviting me to attend a meeting with young professionals. And I was wondering why was I there? Um, but she was talking about like, 
she wanted to recruit uh, uh, science majors to become science teachers because she believes that's what our country needs. And that's really true. We were very poor, like the Philippines are um, in the bottom in terms of science outcomes, right? So um, after that meeting, I was really bothered. Like I couldn't sleep. And I was wondering why this that was bothering me so much. So I um, I did a discernment, you know, and my mentor. So it uh, I had a spiritual director before. Before uh, he he advised me to look at three things. You know, um, he was telling me like, Sab, uh, look at your passion. What's what is life giving for you? Um, and then I realized, oh, life giving for me is when I'm in front of kids, when I'm doing volunteer work, teaching them. Second, mm. um, what are you good at? What's your skill? Mm. So you have, it should be life giving and what's your skill? Um, and then I realized that um, it, it was very natural for me to break down concepts and to really like, um, I want to make sure that people learn. And then the third one is, um, what's the need uh, what's uh, what's what does the world need that you can contribute to? And I realized I can't turn my back on kids who who are not in school, who might who can get a better future but are not getting that right to education. So um, he said the, the intersection of your passion, your skill, and your need is your vocation. And I realized after thinking about it that it wasn't medicine but you know teaching so i changed track so that's the like the short of it <laughs> there's a longer story behind it but that's the summary that's great so um really the call for you to serve in the public and or at least the call for you to teach came through that's amazing yeah that's really amazing what i love what you said is really about the intersection of um your passion your skill and what are the needs that needs to be addressed and i think in one of your most recent tedx talks i have not watched it but you also talk about um what was that about your talk to the senior students uh looking or um what do you, you want to be, be? Yeah, yeah what do you want to be right so i think for people who may be at a fork in their lives and trying to figure out what they want to be that's a great advice right that's a wonderful advice so that's such an awesome path you know reflecting in terms of uh what you want to be and now you're a teacher why did you choose to teach at a public school well um in college i I was doing volunteer work during summers. So we have mm -hmm. usually have summer classes. I and I would use like half of my summer time to, to teach public high school students. And um and then I realized that there were a lot of challenges, a lot of gaps, which we don't mm -hmm. fully understand because we're we're not in that like in that world. And I was wondering if I'm going to be a teacher, where do I want to put my energy? and skill if i am to be better at this where do i want to put all those things in you mm -hmm. know and if if you look at the demographics in the philippines almost 90 percent of our students are in the public schools 
So if you make the public school system better, that affects like majority, you know, like 90% of your your young population who would grow up and vote and you know make changes in society make a difference so if you want um to build the nation through education then you go to the public school because that's that's what that's what we need to improve on to improve our country so that's what i believe that's great so talking about improving um you know the education what are some of the things that you've been doing lately, aside from being a teacher at Kulyat, um, that uh, is helping the country's uh, public school system? Um, well, this pandemic, I realized that uh, we, the education sector shouldn't work alone and wouldn't be able to like, uh, produce like or solve our own problems because the problems are really interconnected with one another. Like I realize that we need to work with the Department of Health. We need to work with doctors um, and health professionals moving forward because the context that was affected by health affected education. And so I'm working with um, with doctors right now. Uh, mm -hmm. So I've partnered for our school. I've partnered with developmental pediatricians and site child um, psychologists because as teachers we're not experts on mental health but doctors would know what to do and we have to like have this discussion in partnership so i've been working with that so i um i give talks for doctors and the doctors give talks to in seminars for our parents and our teachers so there's like that conversation happening um i also realized that we have to work with beyond our school and really work with the local government units, with the barangays. We have to think of creative ways to tap the resources that are around us. So what I really do is to network and partner and um, encourage other people to take part um, in education, even though you're not a teacher or not an educator per se, but if your skill is something that can benefit you know, the students. So I've partnered with individuals who are um, dance, coaches because they provided like uh, uh, dance club sessions for our mm -hmm. students so, like virtual dance club sessions um i've partnered with public speakers to give trainings for our students uh, with theater groups etc so so i'm more like um a manager now <laughs> <laughs> working with other people yeah yeah, that's great. I certainly believe in terms of the power of the community and really providing these wraparound services to our students, especially after the pandemic. And I'm so glad to hear that you are doing that for your students. Yeah, that's that's really wonderful. Thank you. And, yeah. and I'd like to say um, I'm very grateful to all the people who's been helping our school you know yeah. uh, go through this pandemic so thank you yeah speaking of your school i read somewhere that all of your students love you and you know it's almost an amazing result when all of your students say they love you because you know they learn a lot from you and things like that so i am curious as a teacher how do you connect and build relationships with your students well as a teacher i think like, we always have to start from where they are 
Okay. Yeah. Um, Meet where they you are. Have to, yeah. Right. So you you have to know you because you can't help them if you don't know where they are. If yes. you assume that you know better and not like go down first to their where they are, then you couldn't pull them up. You know, um, they my students would know when a teacher cares. So mm -hmm. you have to genuinely uh, want to get to know them. Uh, so that you know how to like approach them, how to talk to them. Um, my stance would always be, I want to learn from my students as much as I want them to learn from me. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's the teacher first. The teacher should reach out first and say, I want to learn from you. Uh, and then that's when the student opens up. So I remember like my favorite thing to do uh when i was it during my first year of teaching was walking with my students going home um that's a 30 minute walk because um some of my students don't have like um money for fares so i right. walk with them and that's the best part of the day because during that moment it's the students who are teaching me about their lives and i'm the one taking notes mm. um and that we have a lot like in terms of perspective in terms of like the context they're in because it's it's not a world that i'm used to it's my world was different before i came into the public school so it's it you have to really take the time to listen and learn from your students that's that's pretty good in fact um based on what you had mentioned teacher said it reminded me of conversation that i had with one of my colleagues um, with regards to curiosity right so there are some teachers where you know the instinct to care is not quite there all the time right so the question is how do you teach um teachers whose whose natural tendency is not to to like you know ask questions and things like that and so the answer that i got was you know learn to be curious like see something that's different or may not or may not be similar to your experience and i thought you just confirmed that that's pretty good yeah that's pretty good so for those uh, um viewers who are not quite familiar with the demographics of uh, um the classroom or the elementary school that you teach can you describe to us what is it like so Kulyat elementary school um we're, it's such a small school mm -hmm. so our space was really very like crowded but okay. we have around 3,000 students so okay. we're like 3, students 000. are sharing classrooms like grade five would share classrooms in grade six so six in the morning five in the afternoon grade five in the afternoon so it's okay. like that um so it's very cramped very crowded um and it's very diverse as well so we have okay. a lot of students from surrounding communities poor communities um mm -hmm. we have a muslim community near us so in terms of like faith and religion it's very diverse as well um there's christian muslims um catholics uh and then in terms of like economic status it's also very diverse we have students coming from the the middle class so c b and e classes mm. so okay yeah, tell so us about those cool, yeah. what's yeah, what's A, B, C classes? So A is like the, the I mean, more well of A and B, but okay. C is the middle class. And then, you know, D and E are more the struggling um, 
financially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So really, you have a diverse group of students, including, um, you know, not just economically diverse, but also I heard you have Muslim students in your in your classroom, which is pretty amazing. So tell me, how do you uh, include all of these different diverse learners in your in your class so that they're going to feel welcome and things like that? Um, so it's well, I, I'd like to tell a story about that, you know, yes, so, I was, yeah. <laughs> so, so I was teaching English and every Friday was story day and I brought a story to class, which I thought was really uh, nice. And it's called like it's about it's about Christ, but it's about him being a king mm -hmm. and a loving king. And I did the whole like introduction about the story and I was apologizing to Muslim to my Muslim learners, like, I'm so sorry, it's about you know Jesus Christ. I know Jesus Christ is, is a prophet in, in your religion. And then one boy, one Muslim boy raised his hand and he said, Ma'am, magkwento ka na lang po. <laughs> Okay. Mom, just tell the story. Yeah. But and the point is, if that story is good, it's go going to be good. Mm -hmm. Right. And so while I have to consider the context and I have to respect like the context of my students, um, I also have it. It shouldn't come from me like to make things like about the differences, but I want to also maximize and take advantage of similarities. Like, for example, I have to be mindful that similar. What, what's what's similar? For example, Everybody loves stories. That's similar. Mm -hmm. So I have to take advantage of that, right? But I have to take note of differences as well. Like, how would they take it? So that would come in later. But mm -hmm. like, what the boy, what the Muslim boy reminded me was like, um, ma'am, all of us, we love stories. So just let us listen to the story. So it's it's that kind of like a balance between um, knowing what's, knowing the similarities among your students and the differences and working with them um so in a way like it's i take my cues from them as well mm -hmm. uh and that's how i learn to be better at uh juggling like uh the differences and minding them you know in terms of inclusion it's really important that um that you integrate it in the lessons like the concepts that can empower them especially the those come from very poor families mm. um and then incorporate it in routines in class so for example um in my class uh we have we always have a goal mm -hmm. and the goal is lahat gagaling lahat mm -hmm. meaning everybody achieves or everybody becomes excellent um, why? Because I don't want anybody being left behind. That's and if nice. it's lahat, and we establish that as a culture, then we are accountable for one another. And that's the kind of Filipinos I want to raise in my, in my classroom, that we shouldn't rest until our, our fellow Filipinos are okay. So in my class, we always look out for each other. Like, okay, this kid is struggling because he was working in the morning to help his parents. So what do we do when our classmates struggles, mm -hmm. right? Because lahat gagaling dapat. 
So that's our mindset. And so we always say like, what's an excellent person for us in the classroom? Mm-hmm. So I would always ask that, thing, what's an excellent person? An excellent person is somebody who can make other people excellent. Mm-hmm. If you can make another person excellent, then you're an excellent person. Mm-hmm. So being smart, if you know how to use your smarts to help another person, then you're being an excellent person. So that's that's the kind of thing because I know like I I as a teacher, we all know that we don't know the future. We're not like future we we have no insight like oh everybody will finish college. I and and being a teacher of like poor students, I know that most of them or some of them wouldn't even go to college. Mm. But mm-hmm. I can always teach them to look out for one another. Mm-hmm. And to be able to like use their so aside from that, I I really incorporate like um teaching how to learn rather than what to learn. Mm. Because I have to equip my students with this carte. You know what this carte means, Alpha means, right? Yeah. So yeah. this carte is like how you try to solve your own problems. How do you, how are you creative about you know going through the challenges in life that's your discarte and because most of my students are poor then i have to teach them uh strategies to learn so that even if they don't continue to go to school they would find ways to learn in whatever they're doing if they're just doing you know side jobs but if you are good at learning then you can rise um the ranks and become like a supervisor eventually right so that's what I hope to do. Like so, I I also use like whole brain teaching to be able to do that. So we have a an an a routine called Teach Okay. Uh, okay. So we teach until everybody's okay. So that's linked to the goal of lahat gagaling. Um, sorry, this this is taking a lot of story time, but you know, just for you to imagine like how it happens in my class. So after I teach, um. Uh, uh, the lesson they would have to teach one another and that wakes up your brain because scientists say that if you're if you're able to teach another person that means you've learned it so i'm using the strategies of peer teaching whole brain Mm -hmm. teaching and also like the social emotional learning of taking care of one another all in one routine so that's i guess you can say like if you're a teacher um, it's really good that you learn different strategies and like I really want to be evidence-based. So I do research different strategies to help my students learn. Oh, that's pretty good. I can only imagine how you embed all of these different strategies in your classroom. But what I truly love is how you teach your students how to look out for one another. And I'm curious, are there like specific strategies or tips or lessons that you actually teach the students how to look out for each other? Or is it just, you know, you teach as the moments arise? Um, th- so like what I said, like what I shared before, um, one strategy is teach okay. Okay. So- Mm-hmm. So they have to, after I teach a lesson, 
they mm-hmm. teach one another. So I say teach and then they say okay and then they face each other. And we would have to make sure that your partner really learn the lesson. So you have to quiz your partner or if you're the one um, confused about the lesson, then you have to have the humility to ask your partner to teach you. So that's how we help one another. And um, really, it raises the scores of my students. Um, so I do that before I do the quiz uh, or like I do an activity just for them, just for the lesson to be reinforced, number one, but also to make sure that they're helping one another. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing about it is that they find different ways of teaching one another. So it's not just quizzing. Some of the kids would make like paper games, which they hand to the to their partners and the partners would answer or they play play games like guessing games. So mm-hmm. they they become really creative on what I was talking about, how to learn. Mm-hmm. So they they're so there are three things. So this is what I read about in research. There are three things that raises in intrinsic motivation. Uh, one is a sense of um competence so mm-hmm. the students should feel that they can do it so that's what teach okay does you know it raises sure, yeah. your confidence about like mm-hmm. hey i'm learning i know and then second is a sense of autonomy like mm-hmm. they have a choice in the matter and what the teach okay does is that it gives them a choice of how to review uh their lessons right mm-hmm. and then the third one is a sense of belonging mm-hmm. that in the process they feel that they are being supported. Even if they make mistakes, somebody will help them and guide them to find the right answer. And they're still accepted. You know, they're not, they will not be rejected if they make mistakes because it's that kind of environment where the goal is lahat gagaling. And we use Teach OK to supplement that, to support that. So, so it builds the intrinsic motivation of the child, but also increases like the capacity for learning. So that's, that's one of the strategies I can, you know, share um, because I've been doing it for years and I've seen how it works. That's great. Is Teach OK a curriculum or is it just a strategy? It's a strategy. I uh, learned yeah. it from whole base, uh, whole brain uh, teaching. Okay. Yeah. OK, wonderful. Yeah, this is wonderful. Um, I love how the students get to teach their peers which is the application of the skills that they've learned, which then, you know, um, measures their um, understanding of the lesson. Yeah, that's that's great. All right. So um, what are the barriers that you see in teaching at uh, um, an economically disadvantaged area? So the hardest hard- thing about uh teaching uh in high poverty areas or mm-hmm. in 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 a school that has a, a high incidence of poverty is that you have no sense of control like okay you have a very small locus of control in terms of your students context if it's just teaching it's easy right madali lang kung magtuturo ka na lang eh at hindi mo naisipin yung context but Mm-hmm. Um, if you have to think that your, your students are hungry when they come to school, that sometimes they don't come to school because they don't have money for fare, um, or they're sleeping in class because they had to work in the morning before coming to school, or they're 
they've been abused at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no control over that. So what do but, you do? Yeah, in terms of those students, how do you still engage them? So actually, my dream, mm-hmm. uh, because all of these information are being presented to us as teachers. And yeah. the question is, what do you do with all of mm-hmm. this information? So the school is really a hub of information from Philippine of Filipino families. Like what's happening in Filipino families? We would know because those are the contexts that influence and affect our students as they learn. And while my concern is for students to learn, I cannot ignore the context. And that's what I would always say. Context affects learning. And we have to address context to be able to raise learning outcomes. And so um, what we have to do is to go out of school also and to really partner with groups that can help us address the context because mm-hmm. otherwise um learning wouldn't happen because the context would always be there affecting you know my students if my students are coming in school hungry and i don't address that i still teach even if i teach different ways you know um, i read research i apply it etc etc but my kid is still hungry I mean, right? It wouldn't be as effective. So what do we do? So we partner. So for example, in schools, we have feeding programs to address the hunger. Um, But also, um, we have to strengthen the other initiatives that that influence, you know, the other things. Uh, So we partner with, um, for example, for this pandemic, we partner with mental health advocates who help Mm -hmm. us with, you know, um, helping the child cope. Uh, we partner with the barangay to make mm. sure that students are safe, you know. We partner with, um, so, etc. So, it's really uh, making sure that structures are in place mm-hmm. uh, so that there's support to address the context. That's great. How about their parents? How do you so engage the, pa- the parents in the process of, you know, uh, their child's education. Um, parents are very tricky because they have, like, they they have, siguro what can I say? Nakasanayan, like okay. they got so used to to like how things are. It's really hard to change perspectives for a year, you know. Mm-hmm. Parang and um, I interact more with students than with parents, right? But we see like how the parents influence. So. So in terms of parent engagement, um, number one, the PTA or the Parent Teacher Association is key uh, mm-hmm. because if you partner with them, you also get insights on how parents think, what are their concerns, and then you can address it uh, structurally. So like you put up structures for support for parents or um, through partnerships uh, or through like discussions with mm-hmm. them. So like uh, direct discussions with the parents. In terms of like classroom uh, parents, we have to be transparent with them and also ask for their help and support from the very beginning. Like, uh, I would like in my class, I held an orientation at the at the beginning of the school year to say these are my expectations of of you know what their roles are, what my role is, especially this pandemic, because it's 
changed. That's right. Um, this is, yeah. right. So this is also the kind of support I can give the parents. Um, this is what they can expect from me. So it should be clear. Uh, because sometimes it doesn't mean that you've been like some parents in the Philippines, so some families they have like 10 kids. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean you have 10 kids, you already know how to be an effective parent. And that's mm -hmm. that came from them. Like one parent shared that with me. I parang mom. Sampunyan ako pero hindi sabihin, alam ko na yung gagawin. Tama. So, yeah. the role of the school is to actually also guide them as partners because at the end of the day, it's still the kid, you know? Parang we have to think about the children. So, yun yung, yun yung point of contact and the point of conversation na dapat pinag-uusapan natin pareho. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. To make parents start partners in their child's education. I love it. Okay, switch naman tayo, Teacher Sab. Uh, when it comes to advice that you could give to educators and school principals. Actually, before, before you answer that question, I'm curious. You've been in the public school setting, setting for 13 years. Why haven't you become an administrator? Is there a reason why? Uh, well, I've I've thought about it. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. I think um, like sometimes you would imagine like oh if I'm if if I can work on this maybe you know I have more power to change stuff as an administrator. But the thing is, I would always go back to. To what's life-giving for me what i can do you know the three things i've said earlier passion mm -hmm. skill and need where am where am i needed most um what's what's life-giving for me is still being in front of my students so no matter how tired i am um and i had to drag myself to school but when i stand in front of my students that's like i'm in a different i'm in a trance and you know that gives me a lot of energy so that's what that's what i mean when i say it's really life-giving but afterwards when i'm out of the classroom like ah, that that i was drained but you know but when you're in front of them like you're just you're you're just in the moment so i know that's that's something that i cannot let go of uh because when you're an administrator you you're not teaching um, and you're faced with like a lot of reports, a lot of problems. <laughs> but and also my, my skill is really teaching. So why take out good teachers from the classroom? Mm. So what I'm advocating for is a better career pathway for teachers who want to remain teachers, but also want to rise up the ladder. So um, that's what I've been trying to like push for. All right, keep that, thought, keep that thought, Teacher Sab, because I want to hear more in terms of what you are doing for our teachers in the Philippines and your advocacy when it comes to policies regarding that. So why don't we take uh, about five minutes of a break, and then when we come back, let's talk about that. All right? Okay, I'll see you in five minutes.
is a live stream platform of online shows for people on the go. Please watch all our shows as seen on the screen. Imagine having your own show, your own playlist, your own content, but we make it easier for you. TNC aims to transform the lives of our viewers through engaging, authentic, and original content. Our vision is to become a global 24 over 7 live stream channel that showcases Filipino talent, global influencers, cultural intelligence, and ingenuity. Please continue to watch and support Once a Teacher, Always a Teacher on Selected Saturdays. You can watch live or on replay via Facebook or YouTube. You can also follow us on Instagram. You can also listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts simply by searching hashtag TNC now. For sponsorships, please email now at thenewchannel.com or send us a DM. Enjoy these life-changing shows because we made them for you. All right, folks, welcome back. All right, I'm hoping that you are all feeling inspired and are taking down notes from what Teacher Sab has been sharing with us the past 30 minutes. It's amazing how a public school teacher is really, really making a difference in the lives of her students. And now because of her service with the students, she can help or she is helping in uh, um, the systemic reform of public ed in the Philippines. And I think that's where we left off. Uh, Teacher Sab had mentioned about uh, um, her vision and her hopes in terms of strengthening um, the support for teacher development. So why don't we continue the conversation with Teacher Sab? Teacher Sab, are you there? Yes. All right. There you go. Welcome back. Welcome back. All right. So we left off with that conversation in terms of your beautiful hope and your vision in terms of uh, supporting teacher development capacity. Tell us about that. So actually, my um, for graduate school, I studied teacher empowerment. So okay. it's it's actually educational leadership, and um, I wanted to focus on the like, teacher empowerment. And I realized that teachers are always part of reforms, but they're at the tail end. So yeah. we have no say, like what goes on at the very beginning. So we have no ownership of reforms because mm-hmm. at the because we're at the end. So it becomes more like a compliance for us Mm -hmm. rather than like we understand why this is important and um as much as possible i really advocate for teacher voice in policies and um for three years um i worked with the central office um to work on policies for school effectiveness while also teaching in the public school so um what i was uh what i tried to like really put in how they do policies to consult with teachers and school heads before making any policies that are related to school. So I worked with the school effectiveness division and um, that was a new office when I came in. And uh, that's how we 
tried to create policies for school FIV, formed um, an ad hoc committee of teachers, school heads, um, people from the field and the ground, uh, so that they are able to talk about the topics that you know and concerns that they have in terms of the policies we want to push for. Um, and so now it's more grounded. Uh, and I hope that stays the same you know, for the next years. That's great because our teachers need that. You know, I think because the teachers are in the groundwork, they know the issues and they need to have a voice, right? Um, I don't know whether you're, you're seeing it from the policy perspective, but it seems like most of the policies are being written from up here without the practical consideration of how it's going to be implemented down here to the ground, right? Yeah, I agree. And also, um, there's an implementation gap because teachers mm. are not being asked for like yes. what concerns they will encounter when it's being um, downloaded to us. So that's really important to consider as you make policies. Uh, from. But I, I also have to like um, honor the people who create policies, you know, from the central office because it's not an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. And it's really scary to think about like what, what will be good for all schools in the Philippines, you know, it's really mm -hmm. scary because that would influence how things are being done. So it's yes. a big responsibility. It's like trying to move, trying to make an elephant dance, you know, mm -hmm. so. That's right. Yeah. All right. I'm curious. Um, you're very young, teacher Sab, and you managed to stay in the public school for 13 years. That's that's an amazing achievement. Yeah, I say that that's an amazing achievement because most of the new teachers who enter, you know, the education field don't last in their first three years. So after being in the public school setting or in the education field for three years, they leave. They seek out other fields, right? So I am curious, how do you manage to stay in the education field and what keeps you going? That's um that's a that's a common question or that's a usual question we have to ask ourselves, you know, every mm -hmm. year. Why would you say yes again to teaching? Um, especially in the public school. Um, but one, uh, you have to always go back to your why. That's, that's why it should be clear to you why you're entering the profession in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's what you will hold on to when things get, you know, messy and hard. And I would always say that for in the in Filipino language, no, mag isang letra lang ang pagitan ng pinili at pinilit. Oh, diba? okay. Parang, yeah, if you put it, it's actually your choice, pinili mo. No, you, you chose this. But when things are difficult and there's a cross already, like a T, right? Mm -hmm. Then it feels like you're pinilit na lang. Mm -hmm. so, um, so when things are difficult, you feel like you're being, you know, parang you lack a sense of control or something. Mm -hmm. Find out the reason why you feel that you're being forced into this when in fact you, you actually chose to be in this. 
So find mm-hmm. that. What's the factor that's that's making you want to leave? And is that factor enough reason for you to leave? Is it a temporary thing? You know, if it's just too you're being too uh, you're too tired, then rest, right? Maybe when you're well rested, you would think differently. So you know, go back to your why and look at the factors that are in that that's influencing you to rethink this profession. Because at the end of the day, uh, we, uh, it's 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 a good profession to be in. Just imagine that, you know, the power of a teacher is that we influence lives of mm-hmm. students, right? So I would always remember, like, you carry the dreams of young Filipinos with you. Mm-hmm. And that's not an, that's uh, an honor and a challenge. Uh, and you have to take that seriously. So it's heavy, yes, but is it worth it? Yes. So you stick to that, you know, if it's still worth it for you. Um, and another thing is, you know, during prayers, um, there was one time that God reminded me that why I'm really here. He said, you know, Sab, like in prayer, it came mm-hmm. like as an answer that, Sab, I didn't call you to teach. I called you to love. And that's the point. Teaching is my form of loving. So just remember, you know, um, when you're facing difficulties, what's the loving thing to do? Because at the end of the day, that's what you're called to be and to do is to love. So if it's you're finding it difficult to love your students, what's the loving thing to do at this moment? You know, if you're finding difficult finding it difficult to love your school head, you know, your your co-teachers, what's yeah. the loving thing to do? Because at the end of the day, teaching is just one form of loving. Um, so we go back to that, you know, it's really like at the core of it. Mm-hmm. Um, one question that I have in mind right now is, how do you foster that love? Natututunan ba ang magmahal sa profession na to? Uh, can you learn how to love this profession? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that a lot of teachers didn't choose teaching um, because they they really want to teach. Like some of them were forced into this. You know, they didn't have. Uh, I know people you know, didn't have enough money. Uh, this is the the cheapest cheapest course. You know, just real talk. You know. Yeah. Um, and then second, parang they were just forced by their parents, or it's the easiest course to get into college. So many reasons. You know. Um, for them to be in this profession. But at the course of teaching, it's hard to not fall in love with it, especially if you see students grow and develop in front of your eyes. Like at the end of the year, you see how different they are from when they came to your classroom. Um, You see how much they've improved or like when they hug you and thank you, like that makes it worth it. It's just hard to... It's hard to not say that you don't love teaching. And I like nga, that this show is parang once a teacher, always a teacher. Because you bring that uh you bring that, you know, honor and nobility and, and love for the profession everywhere you go. Right? You you'd always be, I'm a teacher. You parang you were so proud to say that, diba? Not just during teachers month, but you know, when whenever you're asked, What's your what's your what's your work? What do you do? 
I'm a teacher. And there's like pride in that, diba? So, so for me, parang, uh, how do you cultivate that love? You look for the grace in every day. What, even in the most difficult days, they would there would always be grace. And be grateful for that. And that's how you build your resilience as a teacher and as a person, like in general. Oh, I love it. Grace and gratitude. That's amazing. That's a great formula to get through a tough day in school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A teacher sab, any insights for school leaders? You know, you've seen the way I see you and the way, you know, I understand your work is that you are a practitioner, but at the same time you consult and then you also uh, manage to inform and help in terms of the policy reform in the Philippines. So you see it from here all the way up there. So what any insights or tips that you can share to school leaders? Yeah, I'm actually very grateful for that kind of perspective because it's it doesn't come so easy, right? Mm -hmm. So I so coming from that perspective where I see like from the top and the bottom and the middle, um right. It's important, like as school leaders, to not just focus on achievement, like scores, you know. But I go back to what I said earlier that um, we have to address the context because context affects teaching and learning. Um, learn, get to know your students better, get to know your teachers better, because their context would affect, um, should affect, and influence the structures the policies the processes that you do in school mm -hmm. uh, because that would you know even though that's indirect it has a major effect on learning outcomes so we can't raise academic outcomes if students and teachers are struggling with mental health for example or are facing challenges mm -hmm. um and we don't address that then you know we're not being we're, that would definitely influence like the the achievement that we want to happen in school so so it's there but as leaders it's really important to have the kind of empathy and being grounded on context um to be able to improve our schools mm -hmm. that's wonderful to hear and lastly teacher sab if you have any of your students who are watching right now and to any of the students out there who may be feeling um, not at their best right now, but still have hopes and dreams and desires, can we hear a message from you to inspire them? Just remember that you can change dreams. You can put down dreams if you think it's not working for you and pick up another dream. As long as you're holding on to some dream, you know. Um, and in Filipino, there's there's a word called pag-asam, mm. desire. And go back to what you really desire uh, for yourself, for your family. Um, imagine that kind of life that you want. Um, and that's your pag-asam. But remember, inside the word pag-asam, there's the word pag-asa. Because inside those desires, that's where our hope lies. You continue to hope because you desire for a better life. So don't let go of the things that you desire 
because that will keep you going and that will motivate you to continue. When you forget, you know, make physical reminders, you know, um, put it on your wall, put it on your phone, just to remind you of what you, so that you continue to hope and fight for that. So yun lang, parang nandito tayo, no? magtutulungan tayo for that to happen. Wow. Thank you, Teacher Sab. What an inspiring hour with you today. And we thank you so much for gracing our episode. Madami uh, akong natutunan, Teacher Sab, as an educator and a school leader. I continue to be inspired by your almost poetic words. I love um, when you said pinili versus pinilit, right? And then what you just said, pag-asam, pag-asa. And I wish there's a better way for me to translate it in English, but those poetic Filipino uh, terms just gets to the core of all of these things. So for this, Teacher Sab, I thank you so much for this wonderful time. I wish you lots of good luck and strength to continue keeping on in terms of your advocacy for public education, for teachers, for students who are economically disadvantaged, and for all diverse learners. So thank you again, Teacher Sab. And uh, uh, for those who have not watched uh, teacher, sub, uh, teacher Sub's TEDx Talks, I encourage you to please watch them. In 2013, just like what I mentioned, um, she talked about the return on investment. And recently, she has a few other TED Talks that you may want to check out. All right. And uh, I know Teacher Sub is not really active in social media. So, (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately, you may not be able to catch her on social media, but you will be able to catch up when it comes to, you know, her talks uh, and her influence influence when it comes to policy in public ed. All right, Teacher Sab, thank you very much. Again, I appreciate you and I appreciate everything that you do for the Philippine public education. Thank you also, Ms. Alpha, for inviting me here. And, you know, it's I had fun um, having this conversation. So thank you also. Thank you. With that, view, viewers around the world in the Philippines here, um, I thank you. And I will see you next week. Bye for now.